Welcome to the Cambridge Judge Business School Podcast Centre. I think what I recognised early on was I was probably totally unemployable um, because I won't play politics, I'm not going to play the game and my CV probably wouldn't get me in the door of any company. Um, So I recognised early on to be successful I'd have to create my own environment and I was very focused on doing that. And actually often, you know, I think people who, you know, have something like disability or, or, or something else that kind of gets in the way of the norm, actually it's amazing how many coping mechanisms that you actually create. So actually, you know, there's very few things you could throw at me that actually I wouldn't be able to cope with. So I, I, I think in many ways that, you know, those different things along the way are what shaped me and made me who I am today and made me stronger. That's Rosaline Blair, founder and chief executive of Alexander Mann Solutions, who is widely credited with pioneering the concept of recruitment process outsourcing in Europe. Her achievements include Ernst & Young's London Business Products and Services Entrepreneur of the Year in 2006, the Verve Clico Businesswoman of the Year in 2007, and last year, Global HRO Superstar by Human Resource Outsourcing Today magazine. She was the only UK representative on the list. Rosaline Blair is one of the business leaders who've been sharing their experiences and opinions with MBA students in this year's Leadership in Action series at Cambridge Judge Business School. Does she feel that we all have leadership potential, which just has to be teased out? I think every, everyone has got, some, has got those qualities that can make them a leader within them. And I think the army and, and forces is a fantastic example of that, where you take people from all walks of life, and actually they come out the other end as incredible leaders of men. And, and I think, so I think it is inside everybody, but I think it, it's, it's upon us to actually work out how we draw out those skills and competencies. Can you give me any examples of great leaders? People that you would say, that person has taught me a lot, or I've learned a lot from watching that person in action. It's funny, I often get asked, who are the people who, that have inspired you most, or the leaders that have inspired you most? And, and to be honest, there's so many amazing leaders out there. But I, I'd probably take a slightly different tact. I, I've looked at some of the leaders, and, and I certainly won't mention who they are, that actually I've thought, interesting, I, I probably would actually do completely the opposite of what you've done. So actually, often I've looked at leaders and sort of tried to learn from the things that I think potentially have actually led them astray or led their teams astray. Do you think leadership can be taught? I do think leadership can be taught. I, th- I, think, I think what can be taught is actually the competencies that one needs to hone to be a great leader. So, and I think what, what can certainly be taught is, is to understand what good and bad looks like in a leader. And I think that then allows people to, to then hopefully develop accordingly. Well, when you say competencies, what, what are you looking for? Well, I mean, I think that the type of things that, that make a great leader is, is someone who can actually inspire. So someone actually who has a sense of themselves that other people actually want to follow. And I think that that's something that in, in terms of... Um, and, that, and I have to say, you know, you, you asked me the question earlier of whether le- leaders can be taught. I do think that is something that is innate within you. It's that just sense of, of being able to, to take a whole army or team with you and get them to follow you, irrespective of what direction you're taking them in, but they just believe you to the end. Well, you've done a measure of that, haven't you, with Alexander Mann Solutions, really? I mean, you've turned it into a £350 million a year turnover business. I think in, in terms of, of myself and what I've done, I've never necessarily thought of myself as a leader. I think, I think what I definitely have the ability to do is attract phenomenal people. And I think my skill is actually almost creating a team of people with, with very diverse skills, bringing them together, orchestrating them in a direction that actually the, the sum of all of us together is very, very powerful. So I think that's what my skill is. 
you're actually quite open about yourself when you say that you're, you're not an academic, mm-hmm. you have few formal qualifications, that you're dyslexic, mm-hmm. and that you don't really enjoy the limelight. So please explain the leadership of a company that now turns over that huge amount of money. In, t- in terms of leadership, I, ha- I have a very clear view of where I believe that we have the ability to take this company. Um, and my team joke because I won't accept anything less than global dominance. And, and I really do believe that we've got, you know, that we've created something that, that I can take all the way and that we as a team can take all the way. So I think potentially it's that belief that I have and that passion for, for what we do that other people buy into in the team. And, and I think it's certainly what the customers buy into. But one of the things I think I've, I've learned along the way, and it's something that I hold very dear, is I think that one of the, the most important things in leadership is actually being authentic. And that, that certainly, I think, when I, when I became, got comfortable with that, I think certainly my leadership capabilities improved immeasurably since I've stopped trying to be what I think people expect a leader to be and, and just be myself. And that's probably the most powerful thing I've learned over the years. I mean, I mentioned non-academic, the dyslexia, the, the non-attention-seeking mm-hmm. approach. Did it put pressure on you to, to create what you are now as, as a sort of an act of defiance? I can achieve as much as anybody. I think what I recognised early on was I was probably totally unemployable. Um, because I won't play politics, I'm not going to play the game, and my CV probably wouldn't get me in the door of any company. Um, so I rec- recognised early on to be successful, I'd have to create my own environment, and I was very focused on doing that. And actually, often, you know, I think people who, you know, have something like disability or or, or, or something else that kind of gets in the way of the norm, actually, it's amazing how many coping mechanisms that you actually create. So actually, you know, there's very few things you could throw at me that actually I wouldn't be able to cope with. So I, I, I think in many ways that, you know, those different things along the way are what shaped me and made me who I am today and made me stronger. Looking through your CV, it appears that you created a number of businesses when you left school and then decided, had enough, I'm taking a year out, I'm going to learn about Alexander Man Solutions. Was it as simple as that? When I, when I left school, I started a number of businesses um, and, and that got me to 29. And, and the businesses I'd started had actually been quite successful. And the last business was one that was a nursing and nanny business that I'd built across Italy and the UK and, and Dublin. And France, and I sort of, but I'd, everything I'd done, I'd done by accident. And when I hit twenty nine, I decided actually, if I don't, if I don't take a step back now and actually, you know, go and learn somewhere, you know, I, I'll never achieve all the things I think I could achieve. And probably, like many people, I had a chip on my shoulder because I didn't go to university. That that said, I think, I think my whole life I'm learning because I always ask questions continually, um, and so I really think that's hugely important to any leader. Um, but in terms of when I got to twenty nine, I literally got the boat to the UK and joined Alexander Mann. And my reason for joining Alexander Mann, I had a clear agenda. I was intending to go for one year and learn everything I possibly could about the recruitment industry and everything I possibly could about, um, within that organisation at the time, they had a strong franchising business, a strong joint venture, a strong partnership. So I wanted to earn the different ways to build businesses. How would I do it? How would the commercials work? So my intention was to go and see it as my university for one year and then go back and start my own business. And very quickly into that relationship with the organisation, I had one of those eureka moments. I came up with an idea that hadn't been done before in the industry. And frankly, I thought the recruitment industry was a very shabby place. And I wanted to create something really new, very different, that anyone who was passionate about talent and resourcing would aspire to join our organisation. So my aim was to professionalise the recruitment industry. You've more or less answered my next question, which was going to be, do you see leadership as being a necessary aspect of an MBA curriculum? And the answer is yes. Mm, Definitely. You introduced the word entrepreneurs a while ago. Two points. Why aren't there more women entrepreneurs? Because research indicates or shows that women have to work much harder than their male counterparts to get the support and the funding. I mean, do you agree with that? 
I think my experience of, of why, and, and speaking to so many women over the years, why more women don't become entrepreneurs or don't build really big businesses is I think most women are actually quite humble about what they do and most women are quite risk adverse. So many of the women, I think, when they set out to build businesses, I think they 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 sort of narrow their expectations. And I think many go to banks and ask for just the bare minimum of what they need to survive. And actually what happens, they end up building tabletop businesses as opposed to build businesses that, frankly, they're perfectly capable of building. So I think it's it's the being risk adverse. Um, and I think it's very true. If you look at women's CVs that I see regularly, we put an advertisement out for a job and I will have men you know, queuing up saying they're capable of doing it when they can do five things on, on a list of ten. Women can do 15 and they won't apply um, because they just don't think they're good enough. So I think it's something inbuilt within women. So what's your advice? Completely believe in yourself. You can do anything you want to do. It is true women can have it all. You just absolutely physical impossibility to have it all at the same time. And I think so many of the women role models that are out there today are super women, but actually what people don't realise is they've got armies of housekeepers, nannies, cooks, drivers to support them. And actually back in the real world... We just have to be realistic about our expectations, understand what's important to us, um, and follow the dream that we have. And, and, and don't be afraid of failing. Be willing to take a risk. Is the word entrepreneur something of a, a barrier as well? In that it's, a, it's an overused and yet misunderstood word. I don't think entrepreneur is overused an overused word. You know, I wish when I'd been going to school I knew what an entrepreneur was because I never knew what I wanted to grow up to be. If I'd known what an entrepreneur was... I would have gone through school wanting to grow up to be an entrepreneur. I have a five-year-old who wants to grow up to be an entrepreneur. So actually, I think it, I don't think it's actually used enough in schools. And I think we really need to start educating the fact that actually you can create your own your own business. You can build a business that actually will enable you to be successful. And so you can take control of your destiny. So I, I think we should start really early on in schools and showing that this is a pathway people can take. As an entrepreneur, as a leader, what was the toughest leadership decision that you've had to take? I've had to make some very tough decisions along the way as, as a leader of the business. Probably the toughest one for me was I started with a bunch of amazing people. And along the way, I came to realise that although those people were really fantastic individuals, um, they just didn't have the capability of going all the way within the organisation. So I had to have some very difficult conversations with people who saw themselves going on the whole journey. And that was, that was a very, very tough thing to do. Probably the other big one for me... And, and in fact, you know, I'd probably answer the question in a different way. I think the learning for me has been learning. I think often the, the the hardest thing to do is actually what not to do. So I think the most important decision is decisions about what you don't do, not the decisions about what you do do. And I think that was probably the biggest lesson for me as a leader is actually spend much more time deciding what not to do as opposed to what you can do. As a leader, what I've learned is it's the importance of saying no. It's the importance of actually saying no. And it's the importance, particularly as an entrepreneur, of not running after every opportunity. And it's really, really investing the time and actually just and really honing in and saying no in terms of investment decisions or in terms of, of you know, new sales opportunities. But in everything, I spend far, far more time on saying no and actually qualifying us out of things than it is actually going after the new things. Rosaline Blair, thank you very much. Podcast produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School. 